Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil and Kyle start a podcast, and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence, it's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyge. Welcome in to your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. It's Phil, it's Kyle. Uh, I've got my Victory Monday shameless plug Purple Daily so hooded sweatshirt here. Scorenorth.com slash shop if you want to celebrate an 8-1 and one Vikings team with a Victory Monday hooded sweatshirt. But the Timberwolves have finally got back in the win column. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell, let's let's spend the first part of the episode just kind of talking about last night here. We'll get to some favorite, least favorite things and some flagrant or no. But um, how many shots of Henny did you have yesterday celebrating <laughs> Dude, the 8-1 Vikings? I, I thought we talked that that would be off the record. No, I just woke up yesterday and was like, okay, this is a good sports day from Minnesota. Like football game and then transitions right into a basketball game. Uh, two good games, two like Cavs, Bills, good opponents. <laughs> and I wasn't going to. I wasn't gonna drink, and then halftime, I was like, I need a mimosa. This Vikings game's a little over over the top, and then it just spiraled, and it went from one mimosa to two to three <laughs> to six, and then it's like I'm downstairs with my neighbors. Now there's Henny, and now there's like just Kahlua and everything, and so I was so then I'm drunk texting you as you're working. I'm just like, God, put your phone away. I couldn't help myself, but yeah, good good day the, for Minnesota sports. The Twins should have like. I don't know, made it. They could have dropped bad news yesterday and no one would have known. Yeah, they could have dropped their uniforms yesterday. <laughs> exactly. You know? That would have been a good time. Just like, hey, push those uniforms out. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you say, I'm going to do a shot every time some crazy ish happens in the Bills Vikings game. And it's like, <laughs> oh, God, 12 crazy things happen. Oh, great. I'm at the it's hospital. Ridiculous. Getting my stomach pumped. But no, that was a, a great Vikings game right into a really good Timberwolves game, all things considered. I know we'll talk about the fourth quarter, but um, they looked good yesterday. They tried, they gave an effort. D bounced back and. Wow. What, what do you know? They're six and eight. What a bar. They tried. <laughs> Let's give it up for the Timberwolves. They tried. They tried. Ten players sweated yesterday. Let's go. They gave up a 50 burger, but uh, that's fine. So, well, the biggest headline from from yesterday's game is the Wolves claw back to six and eight on the season with a 129-124 win over the Cavs. Uh, D'Angelo Russell finally came out of his coma to start the season here. With one of his best games as a Timberwolf, yep. perhaps. Yep. Twenty nine. I'm sorry. Thirty points on thirteen shots, four or five from three point range. He also dished out twelve assists. He grabbed a couple of rebounds after grabbing zero rebounds against Memphis in like twenty six minutes, and um, was just kind of he got himself going, and then he was a straw that stirred the drink. D'Lo and I just I'll throw this out right away. One thing that does kind of bother me is like, oh, let's now we're gonna. We're going to celebrate this D'Lo performance. And I just, 
I want to be careful about not setting too low of a bar here for the Timberwolves as a team or for individual players. That was a great performance by D'Lo, but it should be closer to the standard. I'm not saying he has to average 30 and 12 because that would be those would be absurd numbers, but like that should be closer to what he does on a nightly basis than what we saw in the first 12 or 13 yep. games. So let's not just okay, he did it, and now he doesn't have to do anything for like seven more games. He should be doing stuff like this more often. Glad that he showed up finally. Yeah, it's we. The last time we spoke was Thursday, and sandwiched in between then and now was essentially probably D'Lo's best game, one of his three best games in a Timberwolves uniform, and which on Sunday, and then one of his worst games in a Timberwolves uniform on Friday night when he had like four points and he was just non-existent, not a lot of assists, no rebounds. Um, so yeah, like after Friday night's game, I, I recorded with Dane Moore on Saturday, and we're like, hey, like. You can get this type of performance from anyone. You like you're not the bar is so low. Like you, any player that plays in his spot in that Friday night game is going to give you those numbers, if not better. And then on Sunday, you know, conversely, it's like okay, when he's playing at his best, you're not going to find many guys to fill that role better than he does. So total roller coaster is how it's been throughout his whole season. Uh, one of the things I found out over this the weekend, when I was just like looking up stats, is that he's now played in more games in Minnesota than he did in Brooklyn. And wow. we're like two weeks flies, away man. from him playing more games in Minnesota than he did in LA where he was drafted number two overall. So you're starting to get enough of a sample size here to kind of know the type of person he is and the volatile nature. Like I said, the bads are really bads and the goods are really good, but you do need to find like a steady line of consistency. And like you just said, you're not going to expect 30 points a game, but you know, there's no reason for him not to be an efficient scorer, get to the line. I think it's six free throw attempts get to the line a couple times and then just again be the straw that stirs the drink 12 assists to two turnovers he was as good on sunday as he was bad on friday and that's really the reason they won i mean carl Anthony towns had 29 points as well rudy was great on the boards but they won that game because delo was his good version of himself and there's no reason he can't now bring that over this week as they have you know orlando magic philadelphia without harden they have good games to kind of right this ship and get back to 500 how many teams or uh, or fellow Pobos do you think Tim Connolly had texted or called in the hour after that game was over last night, putting out feelers about D'Lo? I would say that if you're an assistant GM or something, all you had to do is put take the YouTube video and send it to all the 29 GMs and just be like, hey, happy hey. Sunday. I hope you saw this. Um, did you miss this? Like, look at this first first quarter, 18 points or whatever. So, yeah, he was good. Uh, they also just – there was other things, too, that helped them win that game. Like, on Friday – uh, Chris Finch played 10 guys. Five of them had a rebound. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> yes. In fact, I, I tweeted this out. I I did the same math that you were doing. Let me pull up the box over here. So D'Lo played 26 minutes on Friday. Yep. No rebounds. And then uh, Torian Prince, Jordan McLaughlin, Bryn Forbes, and Jalen Noel played a combined 55 minutes, maybe more than that, and grabbed no rebounds. Yep. All of them. And I will say, in fairness, and we can we can get into a Gobert discussion here too. Gobert played 35 minutes in that game against Memphis, only grabbed six rebounds, one offensive rebound. He was brought in specifically yes. to dominate yes. and crash the boards against Memphis, right? It was like it was a reaction to the Memphis series mm -hmm. that, oh man, we it would be really nice to have someone kind of next to towns that could just clean up the glass and not give up 18 offensive rebounds on the other side, which is what Memphis did in seemingly every freaking playoff game. Mm -hmm. uh, they st Memphis still grabbed 15 offensive rebounds in that game, uh, and Gobert was was really just like 
like any other Timberwolf in that playoff series. So, um, but that doesn't. So Gobert came up short in his job against Memphis, but his presence shouldn't prevent everyone else from also grabbing rebounds, especially ones that bounce out. Like the guards can't grab zero rebounds in 26 minutes. I'm sorry. Not not in a game where your counter guard, John Morant, had 10 rebounds, right? Like that was, I talked about that with Dane. That's just, not only is that statistically important to go grab rebounds, it's that's how a defensive stop is measured, right? It's not just having to miss a shot. It's actually getting the the rebound and then having the next offensive possession. But it's also just inspiring. When you have your guards attacking, there was in the Friday night game, they like mic'd up the coaches and they did a little shot of the the timeouts or whatever. And Finch was rah-rah on his guys while Taylor Jenkins from Memphis was like, I love how all five of you guys are crashing the glass. Uh, and it was, again, kind of a subtweet at what Minnesota wasn't doing. But it's just, it's just helpful when it can all be Rudy, right? Would the numbers kind of say that the Wolves are almost rebounding worse this year than they did last year and rebounding was their bugaboo? But it's got to be more than Gobert. So, yeah, Friday was pretty much led. The Wolves are in this weird, we've talked about this, this two-timeline kind of thing where they have the young guards like Jaden and Ant, and they have kind of the more established veteran trio of Rudy, Carl, and D'Lo. And Friday was all the young guys. Ant and Jaden had, I thought, two of their best games of the season. Jaden was phenomenal on defense. I know he followed out again. That's a problem. But then against the Cavs, I mean, Ant was kind of non-existent. Jaden was good defensively again. But Carl, Rudy, and D'Lo just... We're like, hey, we're going to win this game, right the ship. And they did that. So, yeah, yeah just a weird, weird two games. Like, speaking of sample size, I just want to see the next two games now because you had probably one of the worst losses of the season just by performance because that was a winnable game on Friday. And then a really good win, despite what the box score said at the end. That was a that was a double-digit win. They just kind of let go of the rope in the fourth quarter, and that's concerning. We can focus on that, I don't know, down the road, but – that's what teams do. Those two, like it's a league, a league of runs, and teams just kind of, yeah, kind of fire back. I'm not, I'm not super concerned that they blew that lead. They won the game. That's all that matters. I, I'm with you. I, I think. I mean, it's definitely been a thing for these teams, for sure. Like Carl Anthony Towns teams, for sure. In the last like seven years, it was a thing with Kevin Love Timberwolves teams. It's been a franchise thing for a long time that no twenty point lead is ever safe. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, it is just a Chris to, Finch thing too. Like. We like Finch a lot, but Finch does, if you go back now, it's one of the rare criticisms I have of him is that he doesn't really run a lot of plays in the fourth. Like this team needs a little more structure and because they have a lot of guys that do want to ISO. D'Lo wants to ISO. And Ant's just taking these dumb threes, you know, with a minute and a half left as the lead is dwindling. Like the answer to them going on a 15 point run isn't dribble the ball for 20 seconds and chuck a three from 25 feet. That's... Which is which is what he actually specifically 45 seconds left yesterday. They're up three and just ISO'd, dribble, 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 took a long two and made it. It was very clutch. It was like, oh, a breath of fresh air. But that's not the shot you want. It's, it's not going to the rim. It's not moving say. the ball. Everyone else is stagnant. So, yeah, good result, bad process. But that'll be something as they kind of figure this out moving forward, whoever they close with, they have to – I think Chris Finch needs to make them run more plays because – Otherwise, they're just D'Lo or Ant's just going to ISO, and that's not what you want, or Carl's going to ISO, and that's not what you want. Uh, just to put a bow on the D'Lo conversation here, to what extent did his performance and then the subsequent team performance, I get that the Cavs were sort of depleted. Yep. It's it's kind of funny because on one hand, like, they had, like, Mobley doesn't play, and they were depleted. But on the other hand, Garland drops 51 points mm-hmm. and had 10 of 15 from downtown, one of his best shooting games of the season. So you're not going to get that every night. 
But um, to what extent did Delo's arrival and then the subsequent team performance give you some level of hope and optimism going forward here? Yeah, you know, it, we're, at, we're at a level now in the NBA, like what, almost 20% into the season, where we don't need to always mention like who doesn't play. I mean, we're doing it to be truthful, but like you're just going to play these teams now and the guys sitting out, you know, load management, all this stuff. So yeah, no Donovan Mitchell, no Jared Allen. Yeah, That would have been nice to see the Wolves big, you know, big center combo play against the the Cavs big center combo. But um, it, it was a good win. I mean, I really do. If, if Donovan Mitchell plays, Garland's not taking 30-some shots and putting up 50. Yeah. That's just not. I said Mobley didn't play. Sorry. I, yes. Jer- yeah, Jared Allen. Mobley did play. He played 30, will- 32 minutes, scored four points. He basically didn't play offensively. But, yes. I, I was going to say, to your point, Car- or Carlton Towns kind of played Mobley off the floor. This yeah. Mobley is, <laughs> if, you, if you've never watched a game, but you're a big historical Timberwolves fan, go watch a couple Evan Mobley performances. He really has all of the young KG characteristics. The way he moves, he kind of runs like a gazelle. He just can do everything. But Towns just took it to him yesterday. And uh, between that and how D'Lo just, I mean, D'Lo, make or miss league, he he still was taking a lot of the same shots yesterday that he that he's missed. So if, if maybe just seeing the ball go through the basket takes him out of a rut, um, he's coming up for these next couple games against teams that don't really defend the guards well. I mean, Orlando's bigger, but they don't have the most diverse set of guards. So should be another big deload night. And then you go up and play against the the Sixers without Harden. So it kind of gave you, again, you never want to get too low, I don't think, on any of these on any of this stuff. You don't ever want to get too high. So I'm not thinking the Wolves are necessarily back after beating a somewhat depleted Cavs team, but they did a lot of things. Again, we said that on Friday, they had five of their 10 guys get a rebound. Well, last night, anyone who played over a minute got a rebound. So you had nine guys... Again, I know that sounds really low. It's a, a really bar low bar, but, they, but it's rebound, fair. <laughs> but it's part of the the process of like we need guys to you know attack the basket more. I think Ant had seven rebounds. McLaughlin had four. So just having your guards kind of dig in and help out um, allows Rudy to kind of do his thing more. Carl also had thirteen rebounds as well. So good performance. I'm not going to necessarily. We're not going to crown them back to the fifty is nifty yet, but good to build on. Sometimes too, just like. I remember when Carl Anthony Towns said that your food tastes better after you win and like you just sleep better. Like I slept better. My food tasted better. I'm a little hungover, but that's not the point. Yeah. And uh, now you set yourself up with a couple of days off. They actually flew back to Minnesota, get a couple of practices in and then go down to Orlando and, you know, try to try to get back to 500. That's the first step. Yeah. Uh, OK, let's go through some of our. So we, we had the D-Lo conversation there. Let's uh, let's go through some of our favorite and least favorite things about this Timberwolves team right now. We do this on the Monday episodes. Uh, we take your comments and questions on Ask Flagrant Howls, uh, where we go through the comment section on on the Thursday episode. And uh, so these favorite and least favorite things presented by our friends. A shout out to Federated Insurance. So Federated has been around for over a hundred years. They have a ton of experience and credibility when it comes to just being a guiding hand for businesses. They're all about, it's like having a nice little shot blocker at the rim to help thwart (laughs) off uh, risks or having a great offensive line for your quarterback. Uh, Risk management tools and resources at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, Okay, let's start with our favorite things about the Timberwolves right now. I'm going to give you just kind of an under-the-radar one. Okay. Slow-mo. Okay. It feels like he is giving you exactly what you signed him to provide, which is like 15 to 25 minutes off the bench, a steady guiding hand, 
a guy that on any given night can score a little bit if you need it. Mm-hmm. Can grab it. It's almost like he takes the temperature of the game and and comes in and says, okay, this game could use a little bit more ball movement, and so I'm going to be a facilitator. Okay, uh, we need to facilitate some offense now, and so I'm going to score 12 points or whatever it was like in the Memphis game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then last night, uh, again, he played, let's see here, it was uh, 21 minutes and had the second best plus minus of any player on the court. He was a plus 17 in 21 minutes last night. His net rating per 100 possessions when he's on the court is six points better than when he's off the court. And so uh, I I think he's been as advertised to this point, Kyle Anderson, off the bench. Even even though the box score, if that's all you saw from the Cavs game, he had six points, five assists, three rebounds, um, two for two from three. I think he's shooting like 46% from three, which I don't think is sustainable, but I will take it. Um, but he also had no turnovers. And again, that's just kind of why they brought him in. He is just, it's, you know, too played out, but he is a Swiss Army knife. He just does all the little things. And like you said, if they need him to go do this and patch this hole, he will. If they need him to facilitate, he will. If they need him to just get to the line or get to the basket a couple of times, he had a couple of really nice, just like everything is slow and herky-jerky. And it confuses all the defenders. And he had these two really nice drop-offs to towns for just yeah. easy dunks. He's like you a know? pitcher that throws knuckleballs or something. Yeah, yeah. You're like, and oh, just, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a 500-foot bomb off this. And it's like you're just your body isn't used to having to wait for the pitch to cross the I know. The it plate. Makes, like, makes my joints hurt just, like, watching it. Because, like, oh, man, he, like every move he makes, it's, like, going to be a torn ACL. So he, <laughs> but, but he also is smart enough, and he's played on teams and with coaches with San Antonio and Memphis. He also knows that the most important thing, and this is what – was kind of pissing us off about the Delo stuff. He knows to just get his teammates involved and get the guys who need to be fed, like get Rudy a, a touch, get Carl an easy dunk, um, because that's how you just, it's all mental getting these guys to see the ball go through the net. So he's been, he's been fantastic. He was a plus 17 yesterday. Only played 21 minutes. Uh, Chris Finch is going to rely on him anytime the train goes off the tracks. He's going to be like, I got to throw Kyle in there. Might maybe at the four, maybe at the one, whatever. Uh, and he's been, he's been great. Uh, g- yeah, give me something. Uh, let's let's throw a few out there on the positive front because it's not often we get to react to a Timberwolves win. It feels like lately. So, what are what's another thing that uh, you would put in your favorites bin? Well, again, Friday was one of just everyone was kind of bad except for Aunt Jaden. Sunday, everyone was pretty good except for maybe Aunt. Um, but I'm starting to see, and I don't know how closely sometimes people watch this. Although Sunday night there was kind of an extreme example, but starting to see Rudy Gobert start to pull guys aside a little more like after plays. Yeah. It's usually when they've had a defensive lapse resulting in like free throws or an and one or something. But I've noticed him and maybe I just didn't notice it before, but I've definitely noticed it this weekend where he's like physically grabbing his teammates in a professional way, but being like, Hey, he choke slammed one of them yesterday. Well, yesterday he almost power bombed D'Lo off the court, um, which was a little interesting, but every that just seemed to be a heat of the moment. No, no big issue. But, yeah, I think he's starting to take an on-court leadership role, and maybe he's just, hey, we're 15 or so games into this. I feel more comfortable. I'm a little healthier, whatever. But, I mean, he is the best defender on this team. He is the guy who knows how to defend better than anyone. The the awards and the statistics back it up. So maybe now they're starting to find that guy. I mean, we joked about it, but who is going to huddle the people up during free throws? And it might yeah. be Rudy Gobert, and he's he's been in Jaden's ear a lot. He's been, you know, him and TP had a couple of uh, – situations yesterday where he was trying to explain like you got to do this on the roll you got to do this to help me out um 
And that's big. I, I know it sounds minor, but you and I have really been on the leadership veteran kind of spokesperson thing for a while. And if Rudy's out there telling his guys how to be in better positions, that's the same thing we wanted from Ricky Rubio when he was on the team or Patrick Beverly. Uh, so I thought that was really good. I think it's good that, that Rudy is feeling comfortable enough to start to be a voice both in that locker room and on the court. The Rudy thing is so interesting in that you, and this is probably I mean, jazz fans would probably be, you know, pouring their own cocktail, just watching and laughing at us, try to do the mental gymnastics here and say, yeah, this is what we are trying to do for, for years and years in that he's been everything as advertised. He mm-hmm. is, he's leading the NBA in rebounds. He is scoring 14 points on eight shots per game. So he's, I know he's not a great offensive player, but when he does take shots, whether they are point blank or dunks or whatever, like he is a highly efficient offensive player. And yet when he is on the court versus off the court, it's kind of a train wreck in a bad way for him. So uh, his on off when he's on the court versus off the court, it's a 10 point swing in overall net rating. Uh, 10 and a half point swing, meaning that the Timberwolves are 10 points better per 100 possessions than when he's off the court. So it's um, it's kind of this weird conundrum of you're trying to figure out how to play around him. He is a valuable asset individually. I'm not ready to say that like him and Cat can't play together. This and that. I'm, I would be curious to see some different lineup combinations to start the game too. They mm-hmm. just keep rolling out the same starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you're not benching D'Lo anymore because he just put up like yeah. D'Lo has given himself ten more games of grace yep. before that conversation yep. starts again. <laughs> so I know it's. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to reconcile how good he has been individually and his skill sets versus the oil and water feel to the team when he's on the court to yep. this point early on. And maybe all of this is to just be expected because they didn't get a lot of time him and Towns to play together. Um, in the preseason, and they're still only 14 games into this new venture. Yeah, and something else, too, that, I don't know, I just it's kind of my own conspiracy theory, but I also wonder if he's just not fully healthy yet or just still trying to regain whatever he was missing coming into the season. Um, some people have been like, well, maybe he just aged rapidly this summer, and this is like the new version of him, but he's averaging like a career low in blocks since his yeah, rookie year. Sure. He's always been two, north of two blocks a game. He's averaging like 1.5 again, relatively still small sample because he missed some games, but um, he hasn't, we, you and I have been like, wow, he has been a, such a great presence around the rim, but he still hasn't been like the defensive player of the year presence. Um, And I'm not, I'm I'm not going to go with a conspiracy theory because he was that dude in Eurobasket. Like he looked really, really athletic. So there's just been moments where like, he's not going up for a rebound or he's not trying to contest a shot that I'm like, okay, maybe he just doesn't have full, you know, he hasn't fully charged the batteries yet of his knees. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not – I think the Rudy Gobert experience, again, for the ninth straight week, has been just as advertised, and I've really liked it. But he is the one guy that I think there are still multiple levels to still unlock. And I don't mean posting him up, but just if he does get those block and steal numbers up to where we're used to, he's also, you know, averaging a couple of less rebounds, which, again, probably because he's playing next to another seven-footer. But – um, he's also been pretty good on like free throws. He's never going to shoot 80%, but I think he's shooting like 69% again, which he's had years where he's shooting like 53. Um, and if you're going to involve him in the offense more or give him some post touches or just feed him on the roll, you need him to make free throws because they're going to foul him. So yeah, yeah I, again, this is just another week of us saying, you know, I'm not 
talking about compensation or all the picks stuff. I just think Rudy Gobert has been as advertised. And if they get the guards, maybe the wings to kind of dig in a little more and help rebound, um, you're starting to kind of see it night by night figure itself out on the court. Yeah. Uh, give me another one of your favorite things about the Wolves here in the last few days. I, I'm so biased, and he's fouled out, I think, in both games. But um, come get your come get your guy, man. He's averaging five fouls per thirty six minutes. And and so I, I rewatched <laughs> the game this morning because I was again finally sober. And he does some. Jane McDaniel's does some dumb stuff. He just does. He's he's now he entered the league with this notion of being kind of this bad boy in Washington, getting all these texts, being kind of a crazy guy. And I think he must have tried really hard to get away from that because he just if you go back and watch his rookie years, first twenty games, he's not that physical. And he's a string bean, but he's yeah. not that physical. I think he's trying to try to figure out now, like how to have that edge to him. He had like he's had technicals this season. He had the whole throw in the ball, Russell Westbrook, trying to find how do I be more aggressive, have more of an edge without, you know, just doing dumb things and grab rebounds, right? But I will say, he also at times, like if Rudy's not out there, he at sometimes is guarding all five guys by himself. Like they're throwing him on. I mean, he guarded Garland for most of the game yesterday. Obviously, Garland popped off in the fourth, but I've liked just the edge that he's had. He's his three point percentage is up since he kind of started the season really cold. Um, his rebounding, you can't just get two rebounds if you play 31 minutes, but I've just liked his offensive pop a little yeah. more. Um, but then on the downside, dude, you can't keep following out. If we're gonna get on Carl, even though Carl has 350 more games of experience, like not being able to be out there is a big deal because yes, Torian Prince can guard. Yes. Ant can guard. Yes. Kyle Anderson, but Jane McDowell is their best on ball defender, especially at the wing. And he just can't keep falling out. So I liked what I saw against John Morant. I like what I saw against Garland. I didn't like that. He finished both games on the, on the bench. Yeah. He's uh some guys just don't have like, I, I would have thought Jade McDaniels would be a sneaky great rebounder a couple of years ago when he kind of came in as this raw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know figure you know what's he going to be and I would have said man he's just going to be like energy guy he's going to wind up he's going to wind up giving you like 15 points and 9 rebounds without ever running a set for him mm-hmm. and he just he's not a good rebounder or nope. he's or he's just not attentive to it I guess which is part of the skill set of of rebounding he's he's not big right like he's got that Kevin Durant body but Kevin Durant has no problem grabbing rebounds and it is weird because, too, like, you see a lot of times where he catches a ball on a roll and he goes up for these dunks, and he he has, like, one of the quickest jumps in the league. Like, all of a sudden, he catches yeah. the ball, and his instantly his elbows are at the rim. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> – it's not an athleticism thing. I mean, yeah, sometimes maybe he's not, you know, the biggest guy out there physically. but um, And he's, he's also on the perimeter a lot. Again, he guarded John Morant for most of that Friday game. He guarded Garland. So he's out there a little bit more, but he's part of the issue, too, like – you know, when, when your guy puts up a 30 footer, you got to dig in and go get the rebounds. So I just, I've liked his defense. I'm clearly biased. I think I see a lot in him. His offense has been, he's making an offensive leap this year. Um, He's hitting more corner threes. So that's been good. But again, at some point it's going to become a major talking point. If we're going to harp on Carl for never figuring out about falling out, the same goes for Jaden, because if you get 12 fouls in two games, that just tells me that you're getting guys to the free throw line and that you're getting on the bench and it sucks all around. So you got to stop following and find ways to be a physical presence without literally punching guys in the stomach. Okay, per 36 minutes, if you just neutralize everyone's minutes per 36 minutes, not counting Nate Knight, who has only played 13 minutes on the mm-hmm. season, Nas Reed leads the Timberwolves with 5.2 fouls per 36 minutes. A little bit of a, <laughs> a foul machine. 
Jaden McDaniels also getting handsy at 4.6 fouls per 36 minutes. Torian Prince, surprisingly handsy this season at 4.5 fouls. Just comes in and bodies a guy up once in a while. And then Carl Anthony Towns completes the Mount Rushmore of Timberwolves' handsiness at 4.1 fouls per 36 minutes. And even when Jaden fell out yesterday and they got a tee, like it was a bad call. Um, he kind of just gets pushed around and stuff. And again, yeah. I think that's him trying to figure out a new level of his strength. But uh, I just I've liked what I've seen. I mean, he gave John Morant hell on Friday night. And it's kind of the reason job ja became more of a facilitator and going to get rebounds because he couldn't score at will. Um, but he just has to know again, like this Wolves team is probably ideally one really good wing short. <laughs> Maybe that's Josh Minot down the road or whatever, but they don't have another kind of long wing to put out there. Um, Torian Prince is good, but he's not, he doesn't have the length and the athleticism. So, yeah. um, yeah, again, it's gonna become an issue. Like if Finch can't trust you to not follow guys late in games, he's not going to play you on the court. So, but at least his shot has come around. I'm, I'm optimistic about that. I'm really optimistic still on however this all plays out. And if we're all pissed off by Thursday, again, the, the 2020 draft class for this franchise really did kind of save everything. I mean, to get Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels in the same year, and to have those guys on rookie deals is uh is pretty important for what they're trying to put out there with their big three, you know, in Rudy and Carl and D'Lo. Yeah. Okay. I know we kind of blended in some of the the least favorite things there, but um, least favorite things about the Timberwolves lately. I think we need to talk about Anthony Edwards a little bit more here. Yeah. He's it's yep. just gosh, he, the Memphis game, and he even kind of called his shot before that Memphis game after they lost to Phoenix. He said, "All right, we're going on the road." Memphis is going to bring it out of us. Memphis mm-hmm. is the, it's almost like he's talking to himself though, because Memphis brought it out of him. You know, he goes, he goes off 10 of 16 from the field, 28 points. He was, he just looked like the bouncy Anthony Edwards and the guy that was, that, that we've seen three or four other times this season. And then again, they won the game last night. He didn't necessarily need to like D'Lo was sort of the, the straw that stirs the drink yep. from the guard perspective. And Carl Anthony Towns had one of his best games of the year last night. So you know, I get that there's going to be games where maybe Ant isn't the driving focal point on offense, but um, just like, picked up a bunch of fouls. He was taking some bad shots toward the end of the game, too. One of them did go in, that that uh, ISO two-pointer, that yep. mid-range shot that I think put the Wolves back up by two possessions. But um, there there is a great piece. I think Britt Robson wrote something, and Johnny K has, too, just, just kind of outlining his lack of perceived joy on the court this year. Mm-hmm. And this has been a staple when we talk about culture and leadership. This is kind of one of my criticisms of Carl Anthony Towns over the year. He doesn't bring a joyous enthusiasm to work. Mm-hmm. He gets swallowed up by the pressure and the criticism. And I think this team, and, and not that Pat Bev is like Mr. Fun, but <laughs> they just like, they need someone to tell everyone. It's okay. This is ultimately fun too. Like we're all making a ton of money to play basketball, mm-hmm. but when pressure and expectations mount, that that Jimmy Butler Tom Thibodeau season was miserable. And I think Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau kind of like that. They just they they're actually happy in the misery of basketball. Right. Carl Anthony Towns is not. That is not a like. There's once in a while he can go to that little uh, that dark little place, the zero dark thirty LeBron place, <laughs> you know, where he sees people chirping him on Twitter and stuff, and he'll go to that dark place. And But that's not a sustainable state of mind for Towns mm-hmm. over the course of six months, and I don't think it is for Ant either. 
So uh, maybe I'm just being like, I don't know. Maybe this is just like idiotic uh, pseudo psychology, but I think for Ant and Towns to thrive over the course of a full NBA season, there has to be a level of joyousness and fun. And ultimately, those guys are the ones that have to create it because they're kind yeah. of the leaders of the team. So I see them playing without joy or taking like the pressure and everything so seriously and wondering, like, oh, man, someone needs to change that tone. It's like, well, those guys need to change the tone. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards, go have fun playing basketball. Why do you look like this is a job? What is causing that feeling for him? So that's just one of my observations is just like the lack of fun and enthusiasm coming from Anthony Edwards and sometimes Carl Anthony Towns. Well, statistically, just to your point about Ant's last two games, he obviously bright lights Friday night ESPN. Uh, he had a really good game. He was hitting shots. He he really does, whether you want to call it a snowball effect or like a locomotive, like you can physically feel it on through the TV when he starts getting going. It just looks like he's getting supercharged. He's in passing lanes. He's, yeah. you know, getting dunks in transition. Um, but then to your point about Sunday night, 31 minutes, zero free throw attempts in a game that had 73 of them combined. And there's 55 fouls and he had five of them. So for him to basically ever play a game, in my opinion, for him to basically ever start and finish a game and not get to the free throw line is an abomination of the game. Like you're just too physical and too athletic. Also, Cleveland, it wasn't like they had a ton of resistance out there with guys like Garland and CD Osmond and stuff. So you need to get to the line. And if you're maybe just, again, if Delo's cooking or Carl's cooking, when you get the ball, if you're like, well, I'm running out of shot attempts because my other guys are like really playing well, then just go to the basket again and get to the free throw line. So mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much uncalled for. Like you can't do that. But yeah, to your point about happiness, I don't know. Conspiracy Kyle kind of thinks, you know, he was sick too last week when Rudy was sick. And then Rudy obviously went like the COVID protocols and I don't know them anymore. Like, I don't really know how you go into that. Like you can maybe just lie, but something just has been off. Like, yeah, Friday he popped, but again, last night he just looked kind of lifeless. And I think you make a really good point about Carl and this franchise and this culture. And I don't think you would disagree with this, but I also think too, some of these things just have to be directly on the player. Like Delo's just not playing well. There's no one else to blame. For Ant, it's like, why are you not just happy? Like, this is the most talent you've ever had. This is the most recognition you ever have. People love you. And I just wonder, and this is such a take. This is blazing. Like, I just wonder if, you know, that off the court stuff with Instagram, like he just, he started media day, like being kind of a bad guy for a while. Like people like asking him non-fun questions. It wasn't about, you know, movies and diets and all the fun stuff that we've come to love with Ant. Yeah. And then his his teammate came out two weeks later and kind of took a shot at him, a sideways shot about eating Popeye's. I don't know. Does he wear some of that stuff? Is he still wearing some of that stuff? And and again, maybe he just has, you know, these guys have a lot of stuff going on in their lives that we never find out about. Um, So I'm not trying to just draw exact lines, but just you can physically see that he's a bigger and stronger and faster, but also he just doesn't have, a bright color to him as uh, my hippie friends would say. So he just, that is on him. That is my point. Like, yes, Carl can support him. Last week he said, you know, that's my brother. I'd take a bullet for him. thought he said all the right things, but also some of this is just like, yo man, you're 21. Like if you can't find joy in this, um, I don't know who else to blame because I know that the assistant coaches and his teammates are trying to build him up. So, Again, he he looked like his old self on Friday after a week and a half of kind of disappearing, and maybe he was sick. Who knows what's going on? But then, yeah, for all the good that happened last night, and 
don't know, Phil, maybe it's just as simple as he doesn't know yet how to be a third banana um, on a night where his teammates are cooking. But that's when you want to see him, you know, like I think he only had one steal and or I think actually no steals in one block. You want to see him like, OK, my guys are cooking tonight. I'm just going to go like I'm going to go take Garland in the fourth. I'm not going to let that guy drop 50. So I'm just going to play defense for the fourth quarter. That's the type of stuff that elevates you from, you know, a star. There's a lot of stars in the NBA. Every team has at least a couple of stars. Mm-hmm. But that's what elevates you to like, you know, you talked about being all defense or wanting to be an MVP. That's the type of stuff. Those guys don't take nights off. You got to go 78 games a year, busting it on both ends. And he's not doing that right now. And it's preventing him from taking that leap. Yep. You've kind of, you kind of nailed it too. Like the difference between a star and a superstar. Now these are sort of Mm -hmm, ambiguous mm -hmm. categories that we are creating here. Uh, It's, it's not about what a player can do at his best. And this has been my gripe with, with D'Lo too. It's like, I know D'Lo can drop 30 points and get hot and shoot some threes. That is not a question. He was the number two overall pick. It is not a question whether he can dominate a basketball game at his best. It's how often over the course of 82 games on the nights where you aren't feeling it, on the nights where your shot's not dropping, right, where your energy is low or you're banged up or something's happening in your personal life or whatever it is, what is your floor? Exactly. And Anthony Edwards, we've kind of seen it with D'Lo. His floor is like you can't play him. You have Mm -hmm. to pull him off the court and put Jordan McLaughlin in the game. Anthony Edwards, I think his floor is a little higher now because you're not – I don't think you're seeing him – I mean, he's he's played 30 or more minutes in every single game this year. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're not seeing, like, second-half DMPs and, and stuff like that from him. But you're seeing four games already this year where he scored 11 points or fewer. You're seeing um, – let's see here. You've seen – my God – Half the games, he's shot 38% or worse from the field. He's just turning into this sort of volume shooter, and he makes it worse by chucking even more three. So I would like to see, for the for the third-year leap to become a real thing, we've seen what he looks like on the Friday night against Memphis. Mm-hmm. We've seen it We've seen it against, uh, he had the 30-point game against Oklahoma City. He had the game against the Spurs where he dropped 34, right? We know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. He needs to tighten up the floor yep. so that his bad nights, he's giving you... 18 points because he got to the line nine times or something. You know, yep. that's, that's the next evolution for him. Yeah. Jane McDaniels, as much as I like him, isn't a star. Jalen Noel, as much as you and I like him, isn't a star. And like Jalen the other night, I think against Memphis, had two points and was truly unplayable to the point where they just couldn't put him back out there. But for Ant, it's like, it's okay. And we've always talked about this. You've always talked about this on from football. Like, it's okay to have higher expectations. And when you are saying MVP and all NBA and all-star like those guys there's no better way to put it it's not you don't graduate to that level because your ceiling gets higher you graduate to that level because your floor gets higher yeah and if last night Delo's cooking and he's got 30 and he's the reason they're gonna win then maybe you should just have you know 14 9 and 6 and most of those points are off the free throw line and then also too like you're just guarding garland to close that that last in out because you know that Jaden's gonna get a bad whistle or he's on the bench um it's just what are the other things you can do? Superstars in this league, it's all about winning. Stars get buckets, right? But superstars, it's like what do you do to help your team win in all categories, even the ones that maybe don't get counted or in a box score. So up and down for I mean, the, this weekend was really crazy from a Timberwolves perspective because it was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. But now against Orlando and or Philadelphia, like what what can you do? Because that ten day stretch where he was just kind of literally not moving. Uh, was concerning and we haven't really seen that in his first two years since he arrived in Minnesota that was like Georgia 
Anthony Edwards, and you would hope that that can finally go and be behind him for good. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, before we wrap this episode of Flagrant House, it's time now to look at the current playoff picture <laughs> and where the Wolves stand in the Western Conference. All right, so uh, bad news. They're not in it. <laughs> they're they're not. Not only are they not in the playoff picture, they're not in the play-in picture either. Uh, so the how about this? The Blazers and the Jazz are tied with the Nuggets for the number one seed in the Western Conference right now. There's percentage point differences, so they would actually be seeded. But those three teams mm-hmm. are tied for the best record in the Western Conference right now. And then you get the Suns and Grizzlies both tied and the Mavericks. And so those would be your six teams avoiding a play-in. All of them are 7-5 and five or better. Your play-in teams would be the Pelicans at 7-6, and six, tied with the Clippers, the Kings at 6-6, six and six, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, the feisty Thunder, I believe the youngest team in the NBA at 6-7 and seven right now, they're tied with the Spurs for the last play-in spot. And that leaves these four teams on the outside looking in. Well, technically, Wonder or Spurs would also be, but they're tied. Wolves at 6-8, and eight, just ahead of the Warriors at 5-8. and eight. The <laughs> Lakers are 3-10. and 10. As much of a train wreck as the Lakers have been, they're only two and a half games back of the Timberwolves. So some yep. self-awareness as we make fun of the Lakers. <laughs> and, then the, and then the Rockets are headed for uh, number one pickville. They're, that, that is clearly their stated uh, situation. So they are not, if the playoffs and the play-in started today, it would not include our Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, they are three and a half games back of first place in the West and three and a half games ahead of last place. How about that? So just that's amazing. Real... They're three and a half back of the number one seed. And and you know, if let's I get it. Come on. <laughs> if any reason for you to play this song is just great. <laughs> uh, if, if I've learned nothing else from this ex- this experiment, it's that I'm just gonna stop looking at the schedule in in August and September because we thought that they had this easy start to the season, and then you just said it like those teams that the Jazz, the Thunder, those are top teams in the West all of a sudden. Um, yeah, when do then, they get that? When do they get that cakewalk game against the Warriors? The, you know, the <laughs> well, the thirteen seed. Let's bring if, those if you, guys on. If you do love studying the calendar, so yeah, they had that easy stretch where they underperformed, and then they just got punched in the mouth by Phoenix and by Milwaukee, and then by Memphis. Um, but now, if you look kind of peak to schedule, they have this stretch of games. I think it's like seven or eight games: Orlando, Philadelphia, Miami, Indiana, Charlotte, Golden State, Washington, before hosting Memphis again, to kind of bookend those two Memphis games. Um, all those teams are like bottom, you know, six or seven in, in their conference. They're not very good teams. Uh, so now you have another stretch of like, okay, this is, you played bad teams or you thought bad teams, you lost, you played good teams and you lost. And now it's like, okay, can you kind of, you're, these are all the middle of the pack teams. Everyone they play in the next two and a half weeks between now and the end of November are all Minnesota Timberwolves teams. The Warriors are DNP and their young guys. The Miami Heat look old. Like all these teams have major issues and their fan bases are going crazy. So now you're starting to play against teams that are just like you underperforming, have a bunch of storylines, don't look like they're having fun on the court. Uh, So I think these next seven or so games are going to be really telling to figure out. Can you, you know, can you go from six and eight to, I don't want to do math right now, but can you go to 12 and 11? Uh, Can you kind of get back over 500 before you get into December and, Trades start to increase and teams start to tank and all that stuff. So a really important stretch of basketball here for these next couple of weeks. We'll keep you posted with the playoff picture update <laughs> here halfway through November. Might be my favorite thing. November 14th <laughs> playoff. Per, per, just start building your brackets. <laughs> Let's do it. 
Uh, all right. So any other final words for, for the Timberwolves as they continue to dig their way out of this sub-500 ditch? No, just two games again on the road this week. I think Saturday's on NBA TV, so kind of national TV. But uh, two good litmus tests. Orlando's big and strong, and they play like five centers at some point. Um, your favorite guy, Bull Bull, is out there just doing his thing. Uh, and then against a Philly team, Joel Embiid had like 54, 18, and seven blocks last night. So yeah. I'm really excited to see every time they play Philadelphia, they always you know, throw Carl at Joel Embiid. I'm excited to see Joel Embiid against Rudy Gobert. That's going to be one of the things you did. You brought him in here to guard the team's best centers. Uh, so that should be a really fun game. But six and eight, coming off a good win. Um, playing probably their best basketball of the season, which again, the bar is laying on the carpet, but um, let's see what they can do over these next couple of weeks. Yep. All right. Uh, we're still, we're still setting the bar, leaving the bar at 50 <laughs> wins. We'd like to see yep. the Wolves win 50 games before, uh, well, for the first time in 18 years and before we die, as I mix catchphrases, we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. We're setting that bar a little higher. We want the Wolves to just like, I don't know, get back in the play-in and then win 50 games. Kind of take it from there. Justin I don't know Jefferson, if you can all that on a T-shirt or not. But Justin we'll Jefferson might be, after that catch yesterday, he might be the, t- the Timberwolves' third best rebounder. He just knows how to go up and get the ball. If, if the players would try to go grab the ball like Justin Jefferson grabs <laughs> the ball, the Timberwolves are going to be okay. I agree. They should definitely sign him to a 10-day contract here <laughs> at some point. All right, we'll see you next time on Flagrant Hollis, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.